You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. Somewhere with the wind. Oh, well, let me tell you that I love you and I think about you all the time. This guy is called Doogie McLean and he wrote this song, it's one of my favourite, I love folk music and this is a Scottish folk song and this guy wrote it, it's a very interesting story Caledonia is an old word for Scotland, some people think it's a love song but it's actually a love for where he came from And I love this song because I think it speaks even to us as Christians today. The story is, he was on holidays when he was in his 20s. A whole bunch of guys, somewhere in France, possibly where Manu comes from. And they were all on holidays and he got very lonely for his home country. And he wrote this song in 10 minutes. And the following day he played it to all the guys. And there was a whole bunch of international, all nationalities. But all the Scottish guys and the Irish guys started crying. (laughs) And that day, they all went home. And all the other nationalities said, what's wrong with them? But you know what's going on here? He had a longing. He had a loneliness. He had a yearning in his heart to be somewhere where he wasn't. And honestly, I think that's a lovely introduction to what I want to talk today because I'm going to talk about the journey God wants you and me to be on. And I hope, I pray that nobody here leaves here without either remembering or perhaps for the first time experiencing a longing. And it is an emotion and a yearning. And it's also a mindset for to be in God's presence and to get closer to the Lord. There's an old book that was written years ago, hundreds of years ago. It's called The Pilgrim's Progress. Anybody ever read it? Some of the older ones. You don't see it around too much now. Great book. But I wanted to use that title because you are a pilgrim and I am a pilgrim. And I'm going to just look at John chapter 12, a couple of verses in a moment. But let's just determine what is a pilgrim. Well, to know what a pilgrim is, we need to know what a pilgrimage is. And I know some of you are learning English, so these are new words. A pilgrimage is a spiritual or a physical journey in order to draw closer to God. We undertake it to get closer to God. The Bible teaches us that your life and my life should be and is meant to be a pilgrimage that as we go through life, we get closer and closer and closer to God. Amen. That's why you're in a church this morning. Why would you take the time on a hot day, on a Sunday, to come to church? It's because there's something spiritual going on in you. 
there is something noble and decent going on in your soul. And you know, whether you've it thought out or you just sense it, that you are called to something deeper and more profound in life than just showing up in work, than just having a family, than just driving a car or having a house or whatever. I was driving into church this morning early, and as I was driving in, I felt the Holy Spirit talk to me. Because there was cars going faster than me, and that's a lot because I'm a fast driver. And there was cars going slower. And there was cars with L on the back and other cars with R. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, that's like the church. Some are really going fast on their journey. They're growing very deeply in a fast way. And others, it's taking longer. And some are new. It's like someone who's a learner on the road. And others are at the next stage, like the R, reserved. They pass the test, but they're still learning some of the basics. And I felt the Lord saying, that's like the Christian church. The important thing to realize, though, is all of the cars, as I was driving here, were all heading into Cork coming through East Cork. Everyone was heading into Cork. All Christians are meant to draw closer to the Lord. Amen? Are we sure? Do you realize you are meant to get closer to God? Yeah? So that's what I'm here today. I want to persuade you, and I want perhaps even with one or two to challenge you, that God wants you to get closer to him, and this is all about you and I on our pilgrimage. You know what the worst thing you could do? is if you step out the front door here, if you have a car parked on the street, my car is parked down there, and if I want to get, let's say, down to Patrick Street, I decide to go into reverse, and I'll just reverse down McCurtain Street, reverse down Bridge Street, reverse down Patrick Street, I'm going to end up in a car crash, aren't I? The best thing is to go into gear and to move forward. And I'm just going to say it right at the beginning. I feel the Holy Spirit is saying, some of us here have gone into reverse. You haven't really been moving forward. You've gone into reverse. You're going backwards. And the Holy Spirit would say that he's here today to help all of us to get out of reverse. Reverse gear in a car is only meant to get you out of a short situation. You're not meant to go on a journey in reverse. Unless you're in a Hollywood movie and you're a bank robber or something. Uh, that's the only time you see it. In real life, it doesn't happen. So this is a pilgrimage. This is your life. This is my life. We're going to look at John 12. There's just three verses in this. We're not being joined by Cafe Church. Fiona is speaking down in Cafe Church this morning. But I'm going to pray that God's word would bless us. I pray now, Lord, that every one of us here would be honest and humble. And if we are in reverse, that we'd be honest with you. And I pray, God, that every one of us would go up a gear and every one of us would catch the vision that we're on a pilgrimage in our lives and we're called to get closer to you. We have to say yes to some things, no to others. Feed us and bless us now with your word in Jesus' name. Amen. John chapter 12. Some Greeks traveled up to Jerusalem to worship during the Passover feast. Now Philip from Bethsaida was there too. So those Greeks went up to Philip and said, Sir, we would like to see Jesus. So Philip went and told Andrew, 
And then they both went to Jesus and told him. And then Jesus spoke to everyone gathered there. And that's as far as I'm going. What's going on here? Well, the first thing we need to remember is that these were Greeks and they were traveling to Jerusalem to worship. Now, if you're new to the Bible, you might just read this or hear it and just let it go over you. Honestly, guys, if we stop and we digest God's word, you'll be spiritually nourished. It's a bit like if you go home and have dinner and you've got, I don't know, chicken or fish or beef or something and you just swallow it whole you're going to get indigestion it's not going to do you much good it's the same with the bible the fact that there are greeks straight away something is different they're not jews they're greeks this is the big divide and where are they going to jerusalem this is the big city of the jews 2000 years ago it still is today and look the, the last word they're going to worship you were worshipping a while ago. So they were going to worship. So there's something strange going on here. Because they're not the usual people who are coming to worship. So this is, this is uh, verse 20 in John 12. So what I'm going to try and persuade you today, briefly, is that your life and my life is a pilgrimage, but it's not just spiritual. There's other aspects to it. And when we look just a tiny bit deeper into these guys' lives, we can see that for them, and I will argue for you and for me, it was one journey or one pilgrimage, but there was three aspects to it. They were on pilgrimage physically, socially, or culturally and spiritually. We need to be on our journey with God and we need to use all three of these. If you or I fall down on any one of these, everything goes backwards and we go into reverse. We're not moving forward. You might say, well, it's all about just spiritual for me. No, if you forget the physical and you forget the social, the spiritual will die eventually. So let's look at the physical. You made a decision today, or maybe it was made for you, I don't know. But everyone here got into a car, or walked, or got public transport to come to church. How many people here walked to church today? That's a lot of people. Okay. How many people here got public transport, train or bus? Okay, that's a good few as well. How many people drove here? Okay, that's over half of us. Anyone cycle? And the rest of you just kind of came here by the spirit. You just... <laughs> I was watching a Star Trek movie last night, and I love it, you know, science fiction. And the guy decides he wants to go to another planet, so he just presses a button and he goes, Woo! and then he appears in the other planet. So some of us came here with Star Trek help, whatever. Anyway, everybody here physically was intentional about coming to church this morning. You know what that says about you? It says that you're on a pilgrimage, and it says that you're taking your spiritual faith seriously, but you can have all the best intentions. You can be at home in your bedroom, praying out loud. You can be shouting to the heavens in the gift of tongues. You could be reading your Bible morning, noon, and night, but if you never physically make the effort to meet with others, you won't last. 
There is an isolationism. Michael touched on it earlier. Creeping into Western culture. And it's all about you on your own with your screen. That is a trap. There's nothing wrong with screens. Screens are great. You can watch God TV. You can read online or watch something online. You can watch worship on YouTube. I do it. It's great. But it is not a substitute for the real thing. Real people, real church, we need to meet with the real God. Amen? Amen. Don't allow the evil one to whisper and tell you, you'll make it on your own. I promise you and I prophesy, you and I will never make it on our own. God set up a thing called the New Testament church. It's all over the Bible. And it's all about people gathering together. The Greek word is ecclesia. The gathered community, the ones who were called out, they gathered together. They didn't just do their own thing. It's a curse in the modern world. Hyper-individualism. It's just me and my own. And some people say, it's just me and my own with Jesus. No, it's not. It's you with Jesus and you with your brothers and sisters. Remember the cross. We remember the bread or the body and blood of Jesus, the bread and wine. The cross went two ways. The cross went up, which is signifying our relationship with God. But it also went right and left, which signifies our relationship with one another. So 300 or sometimes in the Bible, we read about others in the New Testament. Others, one another and helping one another and loving one another. These guys took a big physical journey. You can see it on the map there. We're told they're Greeks, so they probably came from modern day Greece or Turkey. But it was a very long journey. And it would have been a journey not only on land, but also on sea. These guys went beyond the comfort zone for a greater purpose. I remember going to my first Christian conference in 1981 over in Yorkshire, the other side of uh, Britain. And I remember getting the ferry. There was an old ferry. I don't know if anyone remembers the Innisfallen. Anyone remember the Innisfallen? <laughs> few, few of the, the older heads here do. The Innisfallen was a ferry that went from Cork to Swansea. And I remember getting the Innisfallen. It was my first time on a ferry. And a whole bunch of us went over on the night sailing to get to a conference in England, and we hit a storm. <gasps> we all threw up all night long. None of us slept. But, you know, we all had the same determination. We were going to meet with thousands of Christians, and it was worth it. So we were willing to make the journey. Now, you multiply that by a thousand, and you'll get where these guys were coming from. They traveled a long way. You and I are called to travel physically. It's not just about church. Maybe God is putting it on your heart to reach out and be a friend to someone. And you're going to drive or walk or get a bus and meet another Christian. You encourage them. They encourage you. So whether it's church or whether it's a conference or whether it's meeting other Christians, there's a physical aspect to your pilgrimage and my pilgrimage. Sometimes... The most spiritual thing we can do is put on the alarm. How many people here use an alarm on their phone or their clock in the morning to wake up? How many people just wake up naturally? You're so spiritual. A little angel whispers in your ear, it's time to get up. Whether you get up naturally or you got to put the alarm, sometimes you got to get up earlier to spend time with God. Anyone say amen? amen. 
We say we're so busy, but we all have time to watch telly or to watch YouTube or to go online or to chill out. Make time for God. It's the physical, it's the practical feeds into the spiritual. So these guys were on a physical journey and so are you. So the next time you get in your car or you get a bus or you walk to church, do you know who's looking at you? The Lord is looking at you. Jesus is looking at you. He's looking at you and he's looking at me. And you might say, I'm just driving into church. No, you're on a pilgrimage. And you're putting your time and your effort into it. And God sees it. And God is pleased with everyone who does it. Amen. Amen. Not only physically, there was socially. We're told that these Greeks went up to Philip and then he went up to Andrew. And we're told that in verse 21. Now, these were two of the 12 disciples. What's going on there? Remember, these guys are Greeks. So you and I wouldn't know it in the English language, but Philip and Andrew are Greek names. So straight away, they hear some of the followers of Jesus have names like we do. So there's a connection happening here. Not only that, Philip and Andrew, the New Testament informs us, came from a town called Bethsaida, right up in the north of Galilee. And if you came from there, while it was largely a Jewish town, remember we're looking at Jews and Greeks here, right over from Bethsaida was a place called the Decapolis. It was a big Greek area. And so the Greek area really influenced people from Bethsaida. So they understood Greeks. It's a bit like... I remember I was over in America a number of years ago, and I went into a number of shops. I wanted to buy razors to shave. I forgot my regular shaver. And um, I remember going into different shops, and I said, have you any razors, please? And everyone in the shop would go, say what? I said, razors, please. I don't know what you're saying. So nobody could understand my Irish accent. And I think I have a grand accent. But anyway, they, they couldn't understand me. You see, the thing is, if an American comes here, we all understand them because people have American accents in movies and TV and music and all of that. But you probably don't hear too much of the Irish accent in the middle of America somewhere. So it's strange to them. So in the same way, while I'm not an American, I can get them, I understand their culture. If they say, hey, where's the restroom? I know they don't want to go to sleep. They want to use the bathroom. And you go, the toilet is over there. <laughs> if you say Lou, they haven't a clue. <laughs> or they might say, we'd like some cookies right now. You know, you say, you want biscuits? Yeah, they're upstairs. So we've all these different words. So I mightn't... They mightn't be tuned into our, our way, but we're tuned into them. Philip and Andrew were like that. So the Greeks mightn't have known too much about Jewish social life, but they knew these guys would understand them. And they're the guys they reached out to. It's interesting they didn't reach out to some of the other 12 disciples who were full-on Jews. It was a guy called Simon the Zealot. In Irish terms, he was like a mad IRA man. He was, he was that version in Jewish culture. So he would have had no time for the Greeks. He probably wouldn't want to speak Greek, unlike these guys, they could speak it. He wouldn't really be into their culture. He was just into his own, the Jewish culture. So they didn't go up to him. So if you're a mother of young children, 
guess what? You probably will reach and connect with other mothers of young children. If you're a doctor, you'll probably reach other doctors. If you're Filipino, you'll probably reach other Filipinos living in Cork. If you play hurling in the local GA club, you'll reach other hurlers, and so on and so on. So the people who are something like you, they don't have to be the same as you, but the people who are like you are the people who'll be attracted to you. They'll feel comfortable with you, and they'll know they can connect a little bit with you. <laughs> There's a devil in the sound. And so that's what was going on here. What's my point? Socially, you and I are called to connect with others, amen? But also, socially, these guys, because they were Greeks, had to say no as well as yes. So they came from a culture where their family would say, are you going to worship Diana today, the goddess of hunting? We're, as a family, going to kneel down on the altar and worship. And socially, they would have said, thanks but no thanks. Or maybe there was a big festival in the temple of Zeus in the city they came from. And everyone in that city would go to worship at that temple and have a big party there. And they would have said, no, we're actually going to worship the one true God. So they were saying no as well as yes. They were saying yes to this yearning they had to connect with the real God. But they also had to say no. So some of us in work... When all your workmates are saying, we're going to get plastered on Friday night or Saturday, we're going to get lines of cocaine or we're going to get out of our heads, and you're a Christian, you go, thanks but no thanks. Some of us will do it in an overt way, others will do it in a quieter way. Everyone is different, but sometimes you have to say no. Do you agree with that? Yeah? Does everyone agree with it? Okay, I'm not controlling anyone, I'm just trying to get the message out there. It's the same with loads of different things. You have to say no to some things. What if, what if the family all start gossiping and everyone starts tearing down others and you as a Christian just say, I'm not going to get into this. I'm staying silent. That's you saying no. So socially, for your pilgrimage in your life, there are times you and I have to say no and there's times, many times, we have to say yes. So we say yes to the things of God, but we say no to the things that will draw, drag us down. There are some people in everyone's life who drag you down. Some of them are toxic relationships. Others just drain you and they will try and take you away from the Lord. Honestly, we heard it in that song, Caledonia, right at the start, Doogie McLean was singing. He said, I had to let go of some friends on the way, but I made others. The night I became a Christian, I walked from my house to, she was at the earlier service, Myra Linehan's house in Balafihan. This is 1980. And it was a 20-minute walk. Honestly, it was one of the longest walks of my life. I had said it to all my friends, my buddies, would you like to check out this Christian meeting? And they all said, no, I've no interest in that. So I ended up walking on my own. And you know, honestly, after that time, I began to say no to what they were into because I didn't want to go down that road anymore. I didn't want to get out of my head. I wanted to get with Jesus, hallelujah, because he changed my life, and I tasted and I've seen that what Jesus has to offer is so much better than losing your dignity with drink or drugs, and I was into all of it, and it's stupid. Amen? Amen. Jesus is way better. 
So I ended up having to say no and I walked down Polyduff Road and I can remember saying, what am I walking into? What's it going to be like? Are they going to be weirdos? Are they going to try and grab me or, or try and control me? What's happening? And even though I had fears and oh man, did the devil put those fears in my mind and in my heart, deeper and stronger was a yearning to connect with the living God. And I was willing to endure almost anything. And honestly, when I went to that house, it's not like when you came in here this morning and we have a welcome team. There was no welcome team at that door because it was very new and young and nobody had much experience. I can remember going up to the door. There was no sign. You'll see a sign here, Grace Christian Church. But there was no sign. It was just in a house. And there was all neighbours hanging around the door having a smoke, looking at people going in. It was like, oh, it's quite intimidating, you know. And I walked up the path and all the neighbours were, who's he? Yeah. They were all having a look. And I knocked on the door and there was no one answered the door for ages. So, <sighs> finally, when someone answered, um, this girl answered and I, she said, yeah. And gosh, she's not very Christian, you know. Yeah. I said, I'm looking for a Christian meeting. They meet down there. So she was living in the house, but she wasn't a Christian herself. She was upstairs watching telly. So she just abandoned me at the front door. So I had to walk into a private house, and all I knew was, they're down there. So I didn't know where down there was down there. The shed, the garage, the kitchen. So there was no, welcome to Greece, here's a newsletter. And there was no ushers like you saw Tim and the other. Would you like me to find you a seat? It was, you just had to do it yourself. It was the longest journey. But deep inside, I was so eager to connect with God. And you know what? You reap what you sow. And when I finally broke into that room, I sensed these people are different. They were warm and friendly and encouraging. And then the worship started, and guess what? There was no instruments, no guitars, no drums, no keyboards, no microphones, nothing. It was just singing. And most of them couldn't sing. <laughs> they were off key. I was sitting next to a girl. She was like a crow, God bless her. <laughs> But, oh my goodness, I sensed God's presence there. And I knew God was moving in these people. Naturally, nothing was working. But spiritually, everything was working. And I started crying. And I called out to God and I was born again that night. The thing is, I had to say no socially to get to that place spiritually. I had to say yes physically and walk that walk. And even though the neighbors were looking, saying, is that one of those weirdos? I had to take that on and not let any kind of anxiety hit me. I would say no to anxiety and yes to Jesus. Amen? I said no to allowing them to get in here because behind that is the devil. We know that. So we have to be on a pilgrimage socially. Who you hang out with is part of your spiritual pilgrimage. And people think it's just spiritual. No, it's social and it's physical. To understand these guys, let's remember the New Testament, that's NT, Jewish community, was made up of three groups. The Jews who were born Jews, the adults who converted, and a third 
third group known as the God-fearers. If you went to a Jewish church, it's known as a synagogue. There's one over there in South Terrace. You would have found born Jews. That's like people here in the church who were born into Christian families. You came to faith yourself, but mum and dad or grandparents and so on were Christians. So that was one group of people. The next group were the converts. They're also known as the proselytes in some of the old versions of the Bible. The proselytes were adult converts, a bit like myself or Michael or Denise. But this third group were the God-fearers. They used to go to the synagogue or the church every week. They would pray and read the scriptures. And they would go to the feast like the Passover in Jerusalem. But they had never taken the final steps. They hadn't fully converted. For the men, it meant circumcision, which was a brutal thing to have to undergo. Uh, if it hadn't been done to you. And also there would have been some little bit of hesitation. Perhaps that's like people who've never been baptized in water here. But we will be having baptisms in September. Hallelujah. So if you identify with that and you've never gone under the water by immersion, we're going to give you that opportunity in the middle of September in our courtyard here. But that's coming up. So it's a bit like that. So these Greeks were God-fearers. Their families didn't believe what they believed. And they paid a cost to be seen with the Jews. So this is where they were coming from. They were also finally in the third bit on a spiritual journey. And look what they do. They come up to Philip and they say, Sir, we would like to see Jesus. They're showing total courtesy. But when they say see, it's not that they wanted Philip to go, see your man over there with the long black hair. Now see him just over there. That's who he is. That's not what they wanted. We know that that word means they wanted to learn more about Jesus. They wanted to learn more about Jesus. We know that elsewhere in the New Testament it tells us there's two main people groups in the New Testament and we're told in 1 Corinthians 1.22 Jews were looking for signs and miracles but the Greeks, these guys, were looking for philosophy and wisdom. As I said last week, some of us think our way into the kingdom of God and our feelings catch up. More of us, we feel our way into the kingdom and our thinking catches up. So these guys wanted to think. They wanted to hear Jesus explain it. They wanted a philosophy, if you will. If you remember in Acts 16, Paul went into Athens. It's still the capital of Greece today. And we're told that the Athenians love nothing better than to discuss the latest philosophy. This was their culture. And so they all obviously brought something of their culture with them. So they wanted to hear Jesus and learn more about it. And you will bring something of your background into your faith as well. So if you're very intellectual, that's probably the emphasis of your faith. If you're very creative, you're going to bring that into your faith. And it goes on and on. And that's going to be become your ministry more and more, depending on where you come from. So this is what they're looking and they're asking. In this pilgrimage of life that I'm looking at, and I'm going to look at this a bit more on Tuesday, if you look at the temple which these two guys would have gone into, you see there's different zones in the temple, the outer court, the inner court, the Holy of Holies. There was more than that. There was the the court of the Gentiles and of the Jews and of the women. But you would make your way physically through all these areas. All different smells would hit you as the sacrifices were lifted up. All different sounds would 
appear in your ears as people would be praying as you'd hear the animals. And then the closer you'd get to the Holy of Holies, the atmosphere would change. And obviously it was only the Levitical priests got that far. We're going to be looking at that a little bit more on Tuesday night because your pilgrimage and my pilgrimage is going to reflect the rhythm of what we see in the Old Testament temple. What is the temple today? Can anyone tell me? The church, not the building, the people. We are the temple. The Bible says you, if you're born again, and I, if I'm born again, I am. We're living stones, and we're part of the temple. So there's a rhythm for us. I love Psalm 84, verse 5, when David said, Blessed are those whose strength is in the Lord, for he has set their hearts on pilgrimage. This is a photograph of Le Mans Saint-Michel in France. Do you know that man who Beautiful place. I visited there last year. And part of the pilgrimage there, it's over a thousand years old. Uh, it's a town, a little town and a monastery in an island. But part of the pilgrimage is you follow the guide and you walk through the sands. It's quite a distance. And you follow the way out when the tide is out. When the tide comes in, you need to stay there. Beautiful place. And then you need to be led back by the guide through the sand. So it's a physical journey. And there's something of a blessing in a physical journey. A lot of people today are doing walks like the Camino. Or they're doing walks following the Celtic Christians long ago. Including Finbar's way and Declan's way and all of this. So there's something in there about the physical journey. And it reflects the spiritual but you and I are called on our lives to be on a pilgrimage. Listen to the wider version of Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. My soul longs and it yearns for your courts. Blessed are those whose strength is in the Lord. For you have set our hearts on pilgrimage as we pass through the valley of Baca. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be, come on, who knows it? I would rather be a doorkeeper in, in the house of the Lord than to dwell in the tents of the wicked forever. One day with God is better than a thousand elsewhere. Who agrees with that and says amen? Yeah. Honestly, one day with Jesus is better than all the cocaine this world has to offer. Hallelujah. Amen. There's no comparison. But if you don't physically make the decision to move, nothing is going to work. If you and I don't make the social decision about who we hang out with, nothing is going to work. And obviously, if we don't have that yearning in our hearts to be in God's presence, nothing is going to kick in. But I would suspect that if you came here today, you have that yearning in your heart just as I do. I love what the Christian pastor and writer Warren Weasby says. He says, this Christian life is a pilgrimage and our task is to bring as many as possible with us. Hallelujah. So brothers and sisters, I'm going to do just a prayer in a moment. Could the band come up? We're going to sing that song. Better is one day. Well, sorry, I, he never, we never walk alone. The Lord doesn't leave us alone. 
God is the one who is with us. He'll bring us through. We never walk alone. He's going to carry us on our pilgrimage. Hallelujah. He will carry us on our journey. And so that's what we're going to sing. I'm going to just, in just a moment, finish off. Jesus spoke to everyone gathered there. We're going to look at that Tuesday night. Finally, what's your next step? For some of us, it's making a decision physically. I am going to make it part of the rhythm of my life, to be part of the Christian community. Or I am physically going to go and visit someone. What about socially? I'm going to message or text someone and say, can I be a friend or I'll be a friend to you. You'll only make a friend if you are a friend. Amen. If you just say, I want someone to be my friend, it doesn't work like that. You've got to be willing to stretch out and make and become a friend socially. Maybe you need to say no to the family who aren't Christian, to workmates or friends who are not Christians. And then spiritually, some of us need to say, I've been in reverse gear and I'm going to come out of reverse and I'm going to start moving forward to the pilgrimage that God has for me. Can we stand? Going to do a prayer. Not going to call anyone up because we've all been up already. But if we could throw up the words, we never walk alone. Let's sing it and then we're going to pray. Standing on this mountain top, looking just how far we've come, knowing that for every step you were with us. Kneeling on this battleground, seeing just how much you've done, knowing every victory is your power in us. Scars and struggles on the way, but with joy our hearts can say, yes our hearts can say. Never once did we ever walk alone, never once did you leave us on our own. You are faithful God, you are I'm going to ask everyone in the house to close your eyes on stage and off stage. If you can honestly say, I've been in reverse gear and I know the Holy Spirit is telling me to come out of reverse. I've been going backwards, not forwards. Maybe you've never even gone forwards and this is all new to you. But maybe you're a Christian and you just haven't been moving forward. With every eye in the house closed, can you put up your hand? And then take it down again. Okay, 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 okay. See your hand, see your hand. See your hand, see your hand, see your hand. Okay, I think we have 11 hands up. You can take your hands down, guys. I'm going to pray for you. And I want all of us just in your hearts to pray for these 11 people. And you know, it takes a bit of courage and humility to say, I'm not going forward, I'm going backwards. Is it your prayer that our brothers and sisters go forward? Hello? Are we for them or against them? We're for them. Let's pray. By the power of the Holy Spirit, may your decision to come out of reverse, may that be met with God's touch in your life right now. And I pray that your decision to move forward 
would be blessed with the wind of the Holy Spirit in your sails. May you make up the last ground and may all of your last years, all of your last time, I pray that the years the locusts have eaten would be more than restored in your life. Move forward in Jesus' name is our prayer and all God's people said. If you are here this morning or today, just as we come towards the close and you're willing to say, I need to make a physical decision, a social decision, or even a spiritual decision. There's a whole load of decisions in there, but you're ready in your pilgrimage to say, Lord, see my hand, hear my heart. I want to move forward with this. If that's you, without any shame, would you put up your hand where you are? I'm not going to call anyone up, but it's just making the prayer. If you've got this worked out, praise God. But for those of us who just want prayer for it, that's, praise God, there's loads of hands up. Leave your hand up and let it be a, an outward sign of your inner heart's prayer. By God's grace, I pray the living God would give you the courage, the wisdom, and the way of making and taking the next physical step, social step, and spiritual step. May you know God's favor as you move forward. And may the name of Jesus be glorified in your life. And I pray you would find the peace and the blessing that only comes from following Jesus. Right now, we pray God's blessing in your life. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. One last thing, and this is a, just a prophetic, personal word. Um, I just saw somebody's face and it was like there was a scar on their face and it's not a physical scar but it's like someone has recently attacked you and has tried to I suppose deface you take away your dignity take away your good name they've tried to ravage you and I feel in this house this morning that Jesus is saying whatever they have tried to rob from you I will give back to you sevenfold. The Lord would say here today, I am going to do plastic surgery on that scar and it's like it never existed. Could we just close our eyes one more time before we finish on and off stage? If someone has attacked you, your good name, someone has tried to take away who you really are and destroy you just want you to slip up your hand and then take it down. I don't want to pray into the air, okay? 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 Okay. I think we have seven or eight people. You can take your hands down. I pray that when man has said no to you, that Jesus will say yes. And I pray now that God's Holy Spirit would hover over your life I pray whatever motive this other person had. I'm just going to pray this. It's on my heart. Jesus, would you silence their voice in the name of Jesus? Let those words stop. Let justice be done. And let the good name, the good character, the good in this person that has made their way on pilgrimage to this church today, may their good name, their good 
face, as it were, be restored. And may every trace of that attack be gone now. May this day, the 1st of July in the year of our Lord, 2018, be the beginning of something new in your life. God's blessing and God's restoration upon you. In Jesus' name, and one last time, God's people said, Hallelujah. Amen. The guys are going to play us out with this beautiful song. This week, you're not on your own. Tonight, as you go to sleep, you're not on your own. When you go to work or school or you're with the family, you're not on your own. Jesus is with you. And your pilgrimage is a blessing in your life as it is in mine. May God bless you and all the people you love this week. The guys are going to play us out. Coffee and tea upstairs. Hope to see you Tuesday or next Sunday. God bless you guys. Over to John and the team. Standing on this mountain top, looking just how far we've come, knowing for every step you were with us, kneeling on this battleground, seeing just how much you've done, knowing every victory is your power in us. Scars and struggles on the way, but with joy our hearts can sing. Yes, our hearts can sing. Never once did we ever walk alone. Never once did you leave us on our own. You are faithful, God. You are faithful. You are faithful, God. You are faithful. Scars and struggles on the way, but with joy our hearts can say. Never once did we ever walk alone. Carried by your constant grace, held within your perfect peace. Never once, no, we never walked alone. Every step we are breathing in your grace. And evermore we'll be breathing out your praise. You are faithful, God, you are faithful. You are faithful, God, you are faithful. You are faithful, God, you are faithful. You are faithful. You are faithful. You are faithful, God, you are faithful.